Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. So the series is uh, sex. It's a hot topic, and uh, we can put that graphic up. Um, and we want to, we're taking this whole month. Uh, Aaron Mueller last week spoke on uh, uh, being single, sexuality, and being single. Thank you. This is my Vanna White. <laughs> I call her Kathy Wright. <laughs> so, uh, thanks, Kath. Um, Sex is a hot topic, and it's an issue that everyone really faces in, in a multitude of ways. And actually, our culture is saturated with sexuality. We're a hypersexual society. It's influenced everything. They figured out years and years ago that sex sells things. And so advertising media uses sexuality to promote everything from automobiles to lipstick to soda pop. To you name it, because it catches people's attention. It's a really hot topic. And today's sermon, uh, and I am excited, I think it's my best sermon title ever. I, I don't know how good the sermon's going to be, but this sermon title <clears throat> rocks. Okay, Why the devil hates sex and God loves it. Or you can turn around, why God loves sex and the devil hates it. And this idea that, uh, you know, the devil hates sex. And every time I, I shared that title with people uh, several months ago when I came up with that, they were like, what? what do you, the devil hates sex? Because most people think that the devil loves sex and God hates it. You know, there's a kind of a presumption or a, uh, that people bring to religion and bring to Christianity that God's uptight about sex. And the devil, you know, just that's his free reign. But my intention today is to communicate to you how that's actually, the reverse of that is true. Okay, uh, uh, that in actuality, the devil hates sex. And God actually really loves it. And there's some really important reasons why. And so this message is, is significant for the whole series because it kind of lays a foundation of understanding about sexuality that will influence everything else that we talk about. And, you know, we're only going to be talking four sermons. Each sermon is only 30, 35 minutes long. So we're kind of touching on different ideas, and you need to you need to dig into these ideas and research it because regardless of the stage of life that you're in, you have a sexuality, and that sexuality affects every part of your life, every part of your being. So this idea that the devil hates sex but God loves it, and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, I, I don't have any props. I, I thought of a few. I didn't have time to uh, bring them up to illustrate this point that. I, that something can be useful, and if you hate it, you don't treat it well. Right? Like, I, I couldn't find it. I have a screwdriver in my toolbox. <clears throat> I didn't take time to dig through the toolbox because it's too stinging cold in the garage. <laughs> but you can barely recognize it's a, it's a screwdriver. Because I don't use it as a screwdriver. It won't turn screws anymore. Because I've used it as a chisel. I've used it as a pry bar. I've used it to clean out. You know, cracks and, 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 and whatever needs, when I just need a, a metal rod, I go to that because it's all beat up. Uh, and so I don't love that screwdriver. I abuse it. Mm-hmm. But there's certain tools, you know, certain things that we love. 
And if you love something, you take care of it. And you only use it for its intended purpose. And uh, if you love something, you, you, you value it. And if you don't love something, if you hate something, you just don't care about it. And so that's the idea that I'm talking about, is that the uh, enemy hates sex and he abuses it. Well, God loves sex and he, and, he has, and he uses it for a specific reason and it's very, very powerful. And we're going to talk about some of those reasons today. So the first reason, actually four reasons, <coughs> that I'm going to talk about why the devil hates sex and God loves it. First is that sex produces an intense bonding between the people that uh, participate in the sexual activity. And this goes right back to the beginning of the story in Genesis. It says, therefore, a man shall leave uh, his father and mother. This is the words of God speaking to Adam and Eve after they were created. Uh, you know, the act of creation in the Genesis story be, uh, before the fall. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so we see uh, God initiating uh, sexual activity right from the beginning of creation. And you have male and female joined together in a covenant relationship. And there's no shame. They're completely naked, but they're not ashamed. And uh, they shall become one. And so, of course, the becoming one aspect is a reference to act the actual act of of having sex because you have two bodies and you stick them together, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and, uh, but it involves much more than that because it says they, they shall become one in, in, a, in a very deep sense. And that's speaking about the, the bond that happens in, in the act of sex. Sex creates this intense bond that affects our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual being. And so... This diagram, it's not in the slides, but it's just something I'm going to use this week and I'm going to use um, in two weeks when I talk about sexual orientation because this is a really important uh, thing to understand about how we are uh, built as humans, that we have a body, we have a spirit, and we have a soul. And um, I was talking to Leonard earlier, you can look at this stuff under a microscope and, and endlessly divide it and, and, and dig deeper and deeper and to the point where it's just all blurry. And I don't think that uh, the, there is a clear dividing line. Well, where does the body end and the spirit begin? And where does the spirit end and the soul begin? Um, it's kind of a murky. But pretty much everyone agrees, as humans, we, we're, we're a three-dimensional being. that We have a soul, and here we're talking about our feelings, our emotions, our ideas. The body is, is our physical being, but that includes our hormones, our you know, uh, muscular system, our skeletal system. <clears throat> but hormones, you know, affect your feelings. Did you know that? <clears throat> How many know if you, if you don't eat for a while and get really hungry, often people get what? Yeah, and you're grumpy, right? Angry. <laughs> Some people get angry. <laughs> uh, and then that anger and that hunger can affect our spiritual being. And so they're all connected. And sexuality creates an intense bond between two people. 
when they participate, even if those people are strangers. So when, when God says this initially in Genesis, he's talking about a husband and his wife. He's talking about Adam and Eve. The template by which we look uh, as, uh, as Christians in, in looking to Scripture for an understanding of humanity, it starts out with the story of Adam and Eve as the template. This is, this is humanity and we're joined together. But the, the oneness through sexuality occurs even if you're not married. How do, why do I say that? Because Paul says that in the New Testament. The very same verse that I just read to you, Paul, the apostle quotes and references, says, don't you know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So Paul, who I think is a pretty reliable uh, biblical scholar, Right? You know, if Paul's preaching a message, you can pretty much bank on what he's preaching is accurate. Paul knew how to interpret the Old Testament. Would you agree? All right. Generally, we agree that Paul knew how to interpret the Old Testament. And so Paul, or or actually God using his instrument, the Apostle Paul, uh, teaches us that that scripture in Genesis is not just talking about uh, the unity that's formed in a marriage covenant, but he says that happens when you're having sex with anyone, including a prostitute. All right? All sexual activity causes bonding on many levels. And this should get our attention. All right? Um, uh, One of the things that we want to keep in mind... So often people think that the Bible was written by Puritans <laughs> in, in Puritan England, right? Uh, but it wasn't. Paul was writing, writing to the Corinthians, <laughs> right? Corinth was known as the most sexualized city in the, in the Roman Empire. They had fully embraced every form of sexual expression, right? So, so people in our day... Uh, often criticize Christianity for having a limited view or understanding of sexuality uh, because uh, of our history. But the truth is, Christianity was born and prospered in a society where there were no sexual limitations. Everything was accepted in in the Greek and Roman culture. In fact, in Corinth they had a temple that was famous for having up to 10,000 temple prostitutes. When you say temple prostitutes, what do you mean by that? Well, that form of worship in that pagan culture was to actually worship. You didn't go in and sing songs. You paid money and had sex with a prostitute. And it's your pet. Girl, woman, man, boy. And not only was it socially accepted, it was considered a religious expression. All right? Now, in addition to that, all the other, uh, you know, it happened in the temple, it happened in the streets, it happened everywhere. It was a highly sexualized society. And so Paul is writing, listen, folks, if you have sex with a harlot, you're being joined to them in a way, in in a oneness that combines that affects every aspect of your being. All sexual activity causes bonding on all of these levels, deep levels, intimate levels. And that's one reason why the devil hates sex. Because his goal is to divide 
divide and conquer, to divide and destroy. His goal is to create strife and division. He doesn't like people in intimacy, in unity. And so the devil uses the power, this power of sexuality, to create deep, intimate bonding. He actually uses that, abuses it, and uses it to break the healthy bonds uh, that should be created in sexuality by leading people to interact sexually outside of covenant relationship. Okay, so if you're in a covenant relationship, or maybe you're not even married yet, but God wants you to be married. He wants you to preserve your sexuality for a holy covenant. But you interact with someone outside of that, then that actually, because whoever you're joined to, you are, you, that bonding is created, then that affects the relationship you have or will have with the person you're supposed to be bonded with. Does that make sense? You know, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I am having a, a sexual, I'm committed, I'm in covenant relationship with Kathy, and so I'm supposed to focus on this one uh, 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 bonding, and sexuality is like the hyper uh, way to, to deepen that bonding, but if I uh, 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 have sex outside of marriage or I am active with someone else sexually, then that breaks this bonding. Uh-huh. And that's why, and the devil uses that to destroy the the very thing that God created sex for, All right? So it causes physical, emotional, and spiritual damage. Physical, emotional, and spiritual damage to the proper uh, bond that uh, sex is supposed to develop. And so that's why. Uh, uh, the, God commands in the Scripture to flee, like run away from sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of his body. In other words, it, like if you steal something or you know, it, you know, it hurt someone, it's outside of your body. But when you commit sexual immorality, it actually affects your own body. It affects you in a different way. Sexual sin does affect you in a different way. And it has a power to destroy. Um, and I just need to mention that um, having sex with a harlot, and we're going to actually talk about pornography in a couple of weeks. Bill Menser is going to be speaking on that. But uh, if you're uh, looking at pornography, you are having sex with a harlot. Okay? <laughs> um, you are. <laughs> There's not like... It's like, well, maybe it's not quite as bad as actually picking up a harlot. But that's what that is. I mean, taking pictures, uh, the person who is, who is, is performing uh, pornographic acts, you're participating in something um, that is outside of the covenant bond. And this is why it uh, actually does in some way create, uh, it taps into that spiritual oneness. So what I'm actually saying is, if you're looking at pornography or erotic literature, if you're engaging the sexual aspect of you, and it's not with your covenant partner, you are forming bonds with those individuals. I'm like, do you really want to be bound to that individual in some spiritual way, in some soulish way, in some bodily way? No, we don't. And so that's why uh, Paul writes, run away from my guys. 
and girls. Run from this because it affects you physically as well as spiritually. So God actually loves this part of sexuality because when sex is enjoyed within a covenant relationship, it deepens those physical, spiritual, and emotional uh, bondings uh, to an incredible way. <clears throat> so this is what a, you know, a simple diagram just to give you an idea is that when the bodies are joined, there's an overlapping of our spirit and our souls. Alright? Through joining the body. Because we join in a body, it brings all of this together. And that causes a deeper, deeper bonding. Especially when it's done in a covenant relationship. Sexuality affects every aspect of a person and a relationship. When sexuality is healthy in a marriage, it creates a benevolent cycle. And what, what I mean by that is um, a lot of people come for counseling and they may be having difficulty in one area of their marriage, but it's never isolated to just one area. So if they're having difficulty in communication, you know, chances are um, it's affected their sex, sex life. Or if they're having difficulty uh, in the area of sexuality, you know, they're probably not communicating well. And, or, you know, if they're having uh, stressed out financially, it's going to affect how they talk to one another, which is going to affect how they, uh, their, how they express intimacy. And, and every aspect, having trouble uh, parenting. <clears throat> so they're stressed about parenting and they're nipping at one another because they disagree with how they're parenting. And, you know, if you're angry and fussing with your spouse when it's, when it's time to be intimate, you don't really want to be. Because <laughs> you're upset about something or another. All right? But, on the other hand, if you cultivate a healthy sexual experience, you know, you have a lot more tolerance. <laughs> to be blunt, about little things don't matter so much. If you're uptight sexually because you, you don't have sexual fulfillment, that makes you more anxious. There's more uh, tenseness in the marriage. And so that hinders communication, which is the key to solving most of the problems. Does this make sense? So, and the reason all that is true is because we're connected. Okay? Our souls and our spirits and our bodies are connected. And sexuality enables us, if it's healthy, enables all aspects of our being to be, uh, uh, to grow in, in, in deeper. And so you have to address uh, dif uh, difficulties in a relationship by looking at every aspect of that relationship. And sexuality is a very, very powerful aspect that can uh, uh, create that intimate bond. Devil hates it because he hates people being intimately combined, so he uses it against people. God loves it because it deepens our, our affection, it deepens us, and it, it causes breakthrough. Second reason the devil hates sex and God loves it is because it produces life. All right? The first commandment in the Bible... I should have, should have asked this question before I put it up on the screen. <laughs> you know, you ask most people walk up, what's the first commandment? They say, thou shalt have no other gods before you. And I go, wrong. That's not the first commandment in Scripture. The first commandment of Scripture is be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. All right? Guys, do you understand this? So God is saying, first thing He says to humanity First thing they're told to do is to have sex. A lot. 
Right? You, you can't multiply unless you have sex. And he told one man or one woman, you need to fill this whole earth with people. Wow. <laughs> now, thankfully, that was before the curse. So pregnancy didn't, you know, childbearing didn't hurt. You know, the, <laughs> it was going to be easy. Um, but that was his first command. The first commandment out of God's mouth to humanity is have sex. And somehow the world's distorted it to make God look like a prude that doesn't like sexuality. When not only was it his idea, but it's the first thing he commanded people to do. That kind of changes everything. Um, <clears throat> Reproduction, I don't believe reproduction is the primary purpose of sexuality. Sexuality has lots of purposes. And I'm talking about some of them, that bonding is one of the major purposes. Uh, a marriage can be um, complete, a person can be uh, completely whole and filled, and a marriage can be full if they never procreate, if they never actually produce offspring. And sexuality is an extremely important part of a marriage outside of procreation. Right, and there's that's another distortion that some the church and some churches in the past have taught that sex is only for procreation, is only to create a, a, a children. That is its only purpose, and even then, it's 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 sin. You know, it's your they they misinterpret the scripture that we we're uh, uh, you know uh, that David mentions that he was conceived in sin. Um, it's a misunderstanding of that. Sex in itself is not a sin. It's actually obedience. Because it's the first commandment, right? <clears throat> and so reproduction isn't the primary uh, uh, purpose of sexuality. And you just need to really understand that and, and get that clear in our thinking and reject if that was pounded into you as a child or you grew up in a, in a tradition that, that said that. Because this is not true. It's not biblical. Um, but reproduction is an important aspect of sexuality. And, and it's one of the most primary results of sexuality. But it's an, the ultimate expression, I think, of sex as being a life-giving act. All right? So sexuality is life-giving even apart from procreation. But my goodness, it's through that same act that a, a, a person is created. All right? So when we have sex, that, that act of having sex is in a way... Um, uh, when there's conception, we are actually in uh, cooperation with God, creating a new life. Okay, And so if that's the mode, or the means, the method by which God designed people to be created, well, that means sexuality in and of itself, the act is just incredibly life-giving. And the fullness expression of that is that, you know, every now and then you have sex and the result is a baby. And that's another reason why I don't think sex is only for procreation. Because you have to have sex a whole bunch of times, generally, before you get pregnant. Right? Just the way we're designed. We're not designed to get pregnant every time we have sex. Okay? Uh, that we're actually designed to have sex a whole bunch. And only occasionally, you know, if we're fortunate, and the timing's right, you get pregnant. And so we co-create with God. That's incredible. <clears throat> Sex is life-giving because it, it creates this life-giving bond uh, between those two individuals. It renews, you know, the, that feeling. You know, there's, uh, um, there's these, I should have looked them up. I preached this last week and I didn't look it up 
I forgot. <laughs> so some of you may know there are neurotransmitters, right? Chemicals in your brain. Serotonin, dopamine, oxycotton. I can never pronounce that one, right? Oxytocin. <laughs> right. And so, well, that's, that's directly connected. It's, it's an opiate that mimics the uh, uh, effect of oxytocin. All right, and so these drugs um, are released in the act of sex. When you are having sex and when you come to the climax of sex, there's an incredible release of these neurotransmitters that make you feel happy. All right, and wow, right? that's why we like it. And it's those same drugs that um, addicts on the street they take uh, substitutes, they take alternates, they take uh, 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 drugs to reproduce that same effect that God designed us to experience naturally, especially when we're having intimate sex with someone we are in love with and are committed to. And, that, 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 and so our brain is actually um, doused with these happy hormones. And it's the same happy hormones. It's heroin and oxycotton and other drugs actually cause the brain to release the same or similar neurotransmitters. So they're going for that artificial high. Yeah. All right? And they get addicted to it. But it's actually built in that this is God's way. And that feeling is, it's, 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 God designed us to need that. And if you, uh, you know, are in a covenant relationship and you are not getting that, then you're going to be, you know, depriving yourself of something God intends you to need. And it gives life. When it's released, it gives life to every part of you. It renews your soul and even your spirit. There's a spiritual connection that if you're experiencing that, Life in the, in the sexual aspect of your body, and your body is experiencing this release regularly of these hormones, you're healthier <laughs> in, spiritually in, in, in your emotions as well as in your body. Uh, so um, sex produces life uh, is a, an important aspect of it, and the devil hates that because he's contrary to life. Jesus described him this way. He says, the thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's purpose. And sex uh, is, creates life and creates freedom and uh, uh, releases people. And so he hates that. Jesus came so that you may have life and they have it more abundantly. So the devil uses the power of sexuality to actually steal life, to kill and to cause destruction. Same tool, but he abuses it. And he leads people to misuse it. And so the power of sex to produce life, the enemy uses to uh, create uh, death. Sex outside of a covenant relationship is by far the number one cause of pregnancies that end in abortion. And if we didn't refer to anything else, so much death happens. Yes, there are exceptions. Some people in a marriage uh, choose to get an abortion, but I don't know what the percentage is. It's almost all of them are actually pregnancies that happen outside of a, a, a marriage. And, and so you have all of that death. 
But on top of that, uh, sex outside of marriage is most often the cause of broken families. Children living in a single parent, single moms, fatherless children, deadbeat dads, all of those scenarios most often, not in every case, but most often are the result of people having sex outside of marriage. And even most broken marriages are the result of one of those individuals committing sexual immorality. All right. Yes, there are almost always other causes to a broken uh, marriage uh, that leads to divorce and, and, and single parents and, and all of that. But in almost every case, part of the problem is one of the partners also violates the sexual bond and has sex outside of marriage or is addicted to pornography or you name it. And so it breaks that. <clears throat> and so the enemy uses the power of, uh, of sexuality to produce life. And so he takes sex and he causes people, he leads people to have sex in inappropriate ways that actually uh, destroys the life that God intended it to create. Now, God loves this aspect of sex because he loves life. He is life. And I just want to state really clearly that every child is loved is, is actually given life and chosen by God. I believe that uh, uh, in a moment of conception, God is active in, in imparting life to that individual, a personhood to that individual. It, it, it cannot happen apart from God. God works. So regardless of the circumstances of the conception, that individual is loved and accepted unconditionally, completely. Right? The child is not guilty of the parent's sins. So even if it's a result of rape, even if it's a result of, uh, of a horrible situation, <clears throat> the child that's conceived, regardless of the circumstances of, of your conception, God loves you. But God designed sex the way He did. So, uh, uh, he designed sex as the way we reproduce because He wants children to be raised by two people deeply united physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Okay? So this, there's lots of different ways uh, animals reproduce. Okay? Lots of different ways. But God wanted humanity to reproduce in a way that joins us, bonds us deeply. Why? Because it's in that context, in this type of relationship where a child can be raised in, a, in the atmosphere in, the, in a family that's wholesome and healthy and can learn how to be life-giving themselves. Does that make sense? All right? And so He designed... The way that we reproduce, I mean, we could reproduce some other way and still have, you know, this, another way to release those hormones in our body. But no, the way that we get the, the most intense release of those hormones is through sexuality. And sexuality is the way we reproduce. And that sexuality actually causes bonding. Why? Because the fruit of that sexuality needs, really needs uh, a family that's committed to love and our, and our bond. And so that's why God designed it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, you guys are quiet this morning. <clears throat> Should have some, some testimonies about sexuality? <laughs> sure. Sorry. Got some videos coming up? No. <laughs> Got to lighten things up a bit here. All right. So third reason, halfway through, is sex is sacred. Okay? So, um, 
The devil hates this. God loves it. Marriage is honorable among all. The bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Another translation of that reads it this way. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. That's in Hebrews. And so there's a sacredness, there's an undefiled aspect of the, the marriage bed. Um, uh, and, it, you know, that is a clear reference to having sex with your spouse. Uh, and it's a holy thing. Um, another verse puts it this way. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. We read that earlier. But he continues. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Isn't it interesting that the Bible teaches us and Paul reminds the Corinthians that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit in the context when he's talking about Sexuality. He didn't say that when he was talking about being in a worship service. Right? He didn't say that when he was talking about reading the Bible or studying. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, culture it, nurture it. No. He says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he brought that up when he was talking about sex. Alright? So that means there's a direct connection between our sexuality and our bodies being the holy temple of the Holy Spirit. There's a direct connection between our sexuality and our spirit life. Alright? And the reason we don't want to be uh, uh, immoral sexually is because it's based on the fact that we actually have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Uh, sex involves every aspect of our body. And so sex in, uh, uh, in the proper setting and the way it was designed therefore becomes a pure, powerful, sacred act. So one reason why I am, uh, I am offended when people use the F word. Okay? Because that word is a direct reference to um, sex, having sex. And in my understanding, that's sacred. It's, it's, a, it's sacred. And so I don't want to treat something sacred as profane, as common. And so that word is like, man, do they realize? And it reveals a, a worldview that, oh, that's nothing. No, it's sacred. It means something. It affects our spirit. Now, the devil hates this because he rejected the sacred and he was cast out of God's presence. He is not allowed to experience that. And so he uses this power of sexuality to actually deceive people, drawing them from the sacred into empty sensuality and idolatry. Okay, Because sex is... By design, a sacred act. The devil can use sexuality to draw people into deception. 
either just into the, the sensualness of it, just the physical experience, in itself becomes many people's religion. All right? They worship it. They give their body to it. They give their money to it. They give their time to it. Constantly thinking about it. All right? <clears throat> and idolatry, which is being caught up in, in sex and, and to the point where it becomes your God. Um, G.K. Chesterton is not an exact quote, but I read in one of his books uh, quite a few years ago, and it powerfully impacted me. He said, all religions, apart from Christianity, apart from religions based on relationship with the Creator God, devolve into sexual idolatry because sexuality is the only experience that gives mankind a taste of the transcendence we seek. And so, even a religion that starts out with pure motives eventually will end up devolving into simply sexuality. And you can look at every religion on, in, throughout human history, and it's absolutely true. If you study Hinduism, it is one of the most sexually perverse religions you could ever imagine. All right. Uh, the Egyptian religions became completely, at the end, complete sex cults. All right. And even today, cults, Christian based uh, 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 groups that veer off from Orthodox Christianity will eventually end up basically becoming uh, obsessed with sexuality and immorality. It happens all the time. It's in the news from time to time. <clears throat> Why? Because the devil uses that power of sexuality to draw people into deception. Now, God loves this because when it's practiced within a covenant relationship that's pure and undefiled, it causes us to experience something sacred. Right? When, it's, when, it's, when the tool is used in the way it was designed, it actually produces the result of we taste a reflection of God's unity. In the sexual act. Okay? God is a triune nature, right? A triune God. Uh, and so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are an intimate bond. How can we experience that as, as separate human beings? Well, sexuality is one part where we can actually share uh, with another person um, their body, but also their, their soul. We experience part of their soul and their. Uh, their spirit were joined in every way. And then when you see a husband and a wife in unity, in love, developing that bond and then producing life, while well, there's no other expression of or reflection so pure in life of God's character as a husband and wife producing offspring and God producing life because of the unity within the Trinity. Does that make sense? Okay, and so we sh this is why it's so sacred and why it's so important and why the devil hates it so much. And so he uses people to uh, get entrapped, uh, uses sexuality to trap people apart from sexual uh, sacredness because it is so powerfully sacred. All right, fourth and final reason is that sex is transcendent. Um, let me talk about what that means for a few minutes. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, uh, every time I read this, I go, This is kind of weird, because it, says it's, it, it switches from singular to plural. 
Alright? God created man in his own image, man singular. In the image of God, he created him singular. And then it goes male and female. He created them. And so it's the same act of creation. And the scripture is trying to, God's trying to communicate something to us in that, in that, uh, uh, it really is, uh, we were created to be in union with another. Because it is in that, covenant reunion with another that we reflect best the image of God. Alright? Because God is in union with with others. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, in order to bear the image of God most accurately, we are actually created as male and female, intended to be joined in covenant relationship. Um, and, and so, Transcendent is getting outside of yourself, and that actually is how we were created to exist. Uh, uh, Paul refers to the same verse <clears throat> later on in Scripture. Uh, uh, it says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. All right? Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but the Bible right, is supposed to answer our questions. And we learn all kinds of stuff from the Bible, right? But here the Bible says, it's a mystery. Paul, the one who knew Scripture, the one God chose to write half of the New Testament, doesn't understand this. Okay? That's what he's saying. The two becomes one. We don't really understand this. If Paul doesn't understand it, do you think you're going to understand it? Do you think I'm going to understand it? No. What we can understand, though, is that it's a mystery. It's transcendent. It goes beyond normal. And he goes on and says, this illustrates the way Christ and the church are one. Uh, another place it says, uh, Paul again, teaching in uh, the Corinthians, says, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So listen to this, please. I know it's, it's near the end of the sermon. But... <clears throat> The, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now, I don't know about you, but this is my favorite scripture <laughs> in all of the Bible. It is probably the least preached on scripture in the Bible. Because, you know, it's pretty dicey. It's, it, it cuts to the quick. And, uh, you know, um, so... So, the whole thing about men in authority and husbands in authority, what does the Bible say about that here in the context of a marriage? The wife has authority over your physical body. Now, this only works when it's mutual. So, when the wife gives authority of her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife, that's when it's life-giving. If it's one-sided, it's manipulation, it's domination, and it's unhealthy, it's, 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 it's destructive. But when it's mutual, it's life-giving, it creates this bond. And so you surrender your body to another person. Does that sound fun? No. If, if it's a safe place... Yeah, it requires a lot. But this idea of yielding your body completely to someone else, I think this, this kind of indicates this and the way that we were created. The two become one. All of this is about 
the transcendence. That transcendence means beyond or, uh, beyond or above the range of normal or mere physical human experience. Surpassingly ordinary, exceptional, not subject to the limitations of the material universe. And there's a, there's a desire, there's a longing. We were created for transcendence. And sexuality is one way in which we can get outside of ourselves. Right? That's what transcendent means, is to experience something outside of yourself. Well, how can you experience something outside of yourself? In sexuality, you actually join yourself so you can experience somebody else on a level that's outside of you. This is what sexuality was created for. This is a big part of it. I actually like the term I wanted to use originally is that sex is irrational. Okay? It is not rational to give authority of your body to someone else. Even if you are married to them. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's not safe. It isn't. All right? But it goes beyond. It's not rational in some mystical, mystical way that even the Bible doesn't try to explain that the two become one. What do you mean by that? I'm not really sure. It's a mystery. Well, that's, that's, that's irrational. Well, in a sense, it is. It's transcendent. It goes beyond rationality. But, it's actually that aspect, that irrational, that transcendent aspect of sexuality that makes it so powerful. All right? Listen, <clears throat> uh, sex uh, um, is experiential. It, we experience it physically, emotionally, spiritually. Sex is often awkward. Have you been there? <clears throat> Silly. But sometimes it's overwhelmingly meaningful and deeply moving. It's all of it mixed up together. Um, the devil hates this because it breaks down his strategy to keep us entangled in our own self-centered delusional universe. Right? Uh, he hates the ability of sex to unravel the logical, the rational, the safe, the self-reliant world that we create that keeps us isolated from others and makes us to embrace our physical being, our sensual being uh, in, in a way and our need for intimate, the intimate touch of another. See, the enemy <clears throat> would love you to just, just be a spirit being or just be an emotional being or just concentrate on your, on your body. But when they work in, in conjunction, when they're healthy and balanced, and especially when they're healthy and balanced in unity with someone else, this creates such a life-giving, such an intimate bond that it, it repels everything that the enemy wants. And so the devil hates this. And so what he does is he, he uh, because real sex, devil hates it because real sex shatters selfishness. And so the devil deceives people into a sexuality that's disconnected. From other people. From really other people. Imaginary. Cut off from our spirit and emotion. Compartmentalized. Even if we're an, with another person. And I see this continuing. In fact, I have a really hard time watching television. Uh, because it's, it's, just, it's just a sex parade. I mean, and we're really careful with the shows we watch. And uh, we were watching a show from like 20 years ago. And I, I can't watch it anymore. Because they're just sleeping with one person after another. And then it's like nothing happens. Then the next episode, everybody's happy and charming. And like, I happen to know how, how it really affects people. <laughs> okay? Because I've, I've helped people through it. You know, years after, people are still struggling because they, they had uh, an affair or something. And they treat it like light. 
And so the devil deceives us into thinking our, that we can have sexuality disconnected from our, our, our soul and our spirit, but we can't. So what happens with pornography. You, you think you can just look at those images and it's not going to affect you? Man, it affects you. affects every part of you. He deceives us and makes self, uh, sex self-centered rather than other-centered, which is the way God intended it. And that detachment enables us, or enables people to do things sexually that leads to their own harm. And they harm other people. They think that they're choosing their sexual expression. But really, it's just a symptom of a distorted, detached, self-centered, uh, destructive sexuality that's been twisted by just tons of different factors. Alright? And so the devil uses that power of transcendency to, to kill, steal, and destroy. God loves that power uh, of transcendency in sex because it actually breaks us out of that detached, self-obsessed, clinical, theoretical lifestyle that isolates us. You know, there's a point at which you, you, you just you, you crave the touch. Just, <clears throat> just touching someone else that you have a safe relationship releases some, some oxytocin and, and serotonin and the, the, all the happy hormones, right? Yeah. All right, and so full-on body touching, if you're in a covenant relationship, releases just a, a whole bunch of that. All right, and 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 sexuality actually makes us go, I need that touch. I can't live isolated, and it breaks us out of that, and that's powerful. It's absolutely essential for a healthy life. It, it enables us to experience fully a body-soul union with another individual that's experiencing a body-soul-spirit union. All right? That's incredible. Now, this requires our body, our soul, and our spirit to ha be healed. And so if we, we lack healing, if we're wounded, then it spreads woundedness. And so I just want to say that because we're all at a different place of healing. And so if you're wounded, sex may not be very pleasant for you because you have wounds or your spouse has wounds. But as you get your, your spirits and your, your souls and your bodies healed up, you can experience this freedom and all of the life-giving aspects of sexuality in a greater, more intense way. <clears throat> so sexuality, um, we experience in a healthy context, in a covenant relationship, it's the most powerful way to break free from so many of the deceptions, so many of the lies that the enemy lays on us. Uh, it breaks us free from selfishness. It breaks us free from pride. It can break us free from loneliness. It can break us free from shame. Every type of bondage that the enemy lays onto us, sexuality, having sex within a covenant relationship of love is like, power tool to break free from so many of those things. So the devil hates sex. God loves it for the same reasons. It sets people free. It enables you to experience the sacred. It creates life and it deepens unity. Homework, if you're married, go have sex. Uh, if you're not married, listen to Aaron's teaching from last week. <laughs>